Hi folks and thanks for listening to this Tortoise Shack podcast. A little bit of housekeeping before we kick off. We are looking for your support. The Tortoise Shack has no ads, no sponsors and relies entirely on you to pay it forward and keep it free for everyone. Obviously we've a lot of coverage on Israel-Palestine the last few days and it's been an extremely busy period. But there's also podcasts on the budget between myself and Rory Hearn in terms of what should be done around housing. There's a pre-budget analysis by Michael Taft, Trisha Keelty and Tom McDonnell which you don't want to miss. And there's a conversation between myself, Martin, and Sinn Féin's health spokesperson, David Cullinan. And there's also a conversation between myself, Emmett Kirwan, and Aoife Moore. All of them are available on patreon.com forward slash tortoise It's a few quid to you, but it's lights on, bills paid, mics on for us. And it carves out the space for us to be able to have the conversations like the one you're about to listen to. So one more time, please join us on patreon.com forward slash tortoise I'm shutting up now. Enjoy the podcast. Hello and welcome to the Echo Chamber podcast. My name is Tony Groves and folks, we are going to be covering events as, that are happening in Israel, Palestine. And we have been, as you know, for several years, if you've been listening to us, we've been covering it for about six years since this podcast it was came came into being. But uh, right now what's going on is really, really, really serious, really scary. And just before we came on air, a friend of mine, um, Hannah, who you probably know, uh, contacted me to say that she had to flee her um her home because they got the uh the army th- threat as they call and and uh, just so you know what that what that generally means is a, a small explosion happens you know on on a building as I say like it's it's a tap to mean to to clear out um so that happened I just want to rec- want to say when um I I said yesterday you know with the idea that you know we need humanitarian corridors and many Palestinians pointed out to me. You've, corridors to wear tony so one of the points that hannah made to me and she's allowed me to to say this is that she said i'm trying not to cry and deal with the situation but when we left our our home it feels like the nakba for me people in front of me are crying trying to run trying to save their lives the strikes are now huge we don't know why they they strike the same place multiple times with more and more huge rockets and that's just in the last few minutes um obviously i you know it's it's the figures that have we seen and, and the confirmed dead are now over 500 in Palestine over I think it's now over 800 in Israel it's 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 absolutely horrendous um and some of the stuff that's gone on today is is war crimes it doesn't doesn't even just doesn't even do it justice anyway um I am delighted to be rejoined on the podcast uh, Martin's here as well Martin say hello sorry Hello. Um, we are delighted to be rejoined by Hannah McCarthy. You all know Hannah. She is the she is the Irish journalist who is always in situations where I want, I just wish she was at home. But but Hannah was recently in Palestine and Israel, and Hannah joins us to talk a little bit about what's happening. And Hannah, um, first of all, can I get your reaction to what happened on Saturday? And we'll talk a little bit about the context of. Why this is different to the several escalations that we've discussed on this podcast with yourself in, in the most in the most recent in the, every year it seems to be, but this one is very different. Uh, I was completely taken aback uh, by what I saw on Saturday. It's just nothing I had kind of considered as possible, um, and it, it wasn't something that was really on the radar or being discussed at all from any of the trips. Um, that I've been in in, in Israel uh, this year. Um, it is a massive security breach for Israel. It is something that's shaken Israelis to the core. Uh, I've been speaking to you know, Israelis in Tel Aviv who kind of say they just have never seen anything like this. 
uh, and they have this kind of, you know, as much as in the last kind of year we have seen, you know, protests against the government, there is actually a remarkable kind of cohesion in Israeli society and sense that their state will protect them. Um, and I mean, there's huge anger. And I think um, I, I think there's some analysis that, you know, is this not going to help Netanyahu? He can, you know, ride a wave of national unity. But I mean, at the same time, there is huge anger that um, I think over 800 Israelis now have been uh, killed uh, from attack that went straight into their heartland. Uh, and again, mostly civilians, uh, as people have seen from the, the widespread media coverage, uh, particularly for, of Israelis who were attending a, a festival in South Israel. Um, so I think, again, the scale of the operation by Hamas, you know, it, it, it's impressive. I mean, it is incredibly difficult to smuggle in that level of, you know, guns and equipment that they would have needed and has been noted, you know, how do you even train for paragliding, you know, in Gaza, you know, did they do it inside? Did they, you know, get smuggled out? Did they do it in another country? You know, Anna, would you give us a little bit of the background so far? Yeah, and you know, I think for people who kind of generally follow the news, it can feel like you know, there's always a conflict ongoing um, in Israel Palestine. You know, things are always bad, uh, but I think what's worth saying is in the last year there has been a noticeable uptick in the tenor of the violence. Uh, and the number of dead and casualties we've been seeing, uh, particularly in the West Bank, um, where, um, you know, we had one of the bloodiest, before Saturday, we had one of the bloodiest uh, years on record for Palestinians being killed by Israeli forces. Uh, we've also seen an uptick in Palestinians killing Israelis within Palestine, within Israel. Um, you know, there have been kind of um, car rammings and shootings in, in Tel Aviv and Jerusalem. Mm. Um, so there has been a steady uptick. And in July, we saw what we thought was kind of, you know, um, kind of, you know, a watermark, which was the military operation in Janine refugee camp, which is a kind of center for Palestinian militancy, um, in northern, uh, the northern West Bank. Uh, it's where it's, you know, it kind of has a, a supply of a lot of the Palestinian militants. Um, there, you know, it's, it's a very deprived it's, area. It's, it's, it's much more Islamic jihad, the PIJ, than than Hamas. Obviously, operate in the West Bank. Um, is is and 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 it's also home of where most of the internments have taken place, the uh, arrests without charges, in in which now number you know break records in terms of what's happened this year as well. Yeah, and it's 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 located quite close to the Israeli border, so it really is a kind of launching pad for a lot of. Um, Palestinian attacks and also, you know, after attacks, um, Palestinian militants would often go to Janine refugee camp to kind of seek refuge. Uh, so in July, there was, you know, a 48 hour Israeli military operation uh, involving a thousand soldiers, aerial strikes on a refugee camp. Um, and after that operation, uh, 12 Palestinians were dead, including four children uh, and one Israeli soldier. And that was, that was a pretty high, you know, threshold for, you know, a combined military assault and um, on a on a, a Palestinian target, but what we've seen in Saturday has totally eclipsed that. Um, and again, just so people understand, there is over double the number of Israeli deaths from, since Saturday than there were since two thousand and fourteen or two thousand and five. Uh, so, I mean, the scale of the casualties in Israel. I, I mean, people have commented on this, but I've never seen any kind of clash where the Israeli casualty figure is higher than the Palestinian. It, it, it's not happened in my, in my in my lived in my entire life. It's not happened and it's it's absolutely staggering. And no and you, I know we 
people have sa- have said, you know, obviously the IDF and Mossad pride themselves on knowing infiltrating Hamas, infiltrating, you know, what's happening in the PA, infiltrating what's, and yet, as you rightly point out, they paraglided over a wall. They managed to use drones. They managed to come by 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 different different ways. So. It is like I, I I know Hezbollah, you know, decided to claim uh, credit for it and said it was months in the making. But I also remember this old saying that success has a million fathers and failure is an orphan. You know, so it, it's quite comf- it's quite convenient to claim that. I don't know how serious I take that, but it's still it's still um, it, like the the barbarity of it is is goes without saying. Absolutely, like deplorable acts were were carried out, but the scale of it is unprecedented, Hannah, and it is something that like must. The world has sort of paid attention. I mean, we've got we've got the Israeli flags um, projected onto the Brandenburg gates in Germany. You know, whatever I think about some of the reaction to the EU, EU, and I might mention that, but you know, it's it's really it's really staggering what happened. Yeah, and to be honest, I mean, I feel like there's been a lot of kind of mixed reactions to that Israeli flag on the Brandenburg. Um, uh, monument uh, in Germany, but I mean, every so often, like I kind of think about it. I'm like, you know, if it feels quite hopeless the situation between Palestinians and Israelis. But if you ever wanted a kind of image of how peace could ever be possible, the idea that you know Germany displays the Israeli flag is kind of one of those that like people can't at some point, you know, move on from history. That obviously feels incredibly yeah. far away. No, incredibly I, I, far I, away I, now. I, I'm not looking. T- yeah, I, I think myself and Martin spoke about this the other day, and I said we're 25 years removed from the Good Friday Agreement, and we're only talking about some of the truth and reconciliation in the post-conflict society in Ireland, and here we are in the midst of uh, uh, one of the what is you know like let's to give this go let's let's sorry I'm I'm digressing too far. The context to this though, like obviously it didn't start on Saturday. That's the main thing. This wasn't, this is, it's been a year unlike many others in terms of the level of deaths, the number of arrests, the um, lack of, the lack of, uh, you know, services being provided to people in, in Gaza and, and in the West Bank. And much of this, you know, it's, it, I heard if someone said this is Israel's 9-11 and a, a military expert I was, I was watching from the US said that's absolute nonsense because they didn't see 9-11 coming. But Israel knew that, you know, and this is one of the reasons there's anger with Netanyahu because it's 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 thought they provoke this in lots of ways, Hannah, as well. Yeah, I mean, it's less a provocation than in a way just a policy of crushing Palestinian independence movements, you know, both militant and, to be honest, political. Um, and that their their kind of policies both towards Gaza and the West Bank were to kind of crush Palestinian movements. You had, um, you know, a Palestinian authority, again, that recognizes the state of Israel, you know, since yep. the Oslo Accords. And it's basically viewed as a collaborator, as weak, as corrupt, um, as an embarrassment to many Palestinians. Um, you know, Israel hasn't given the conditions to ensure that the Palestinian authority, you know, is a strong or, you know, democratic go- government. Uh, part of that has some internal issues, but I mean, largely it's the result of, you know, the Israeli occupation. Uh, and then Gaza has had a brutal like blockade for the last 16 years that has turned it into um, an open air prison uh, with massive uh, unemployment, uh, you know, very um, fragile health system uh, and youth that feel that there is no hope. And, you know, obviously, you know, Gazan Palestinians did not you know, vote for this operation. There's obviously some support for Hamas, 
Um, but, you know, they're the ones that ultimately pay the biggest price for this, you know, Hamas-led military operation. Um, and, Anna, sorry, go on. That, that really has to be remembered. It's the civilian population that are now paying the price for what has happened. But Israel has openly said we are going to starve them. We're going to cut off their land. And this is a civilian population. It's a civilian, you know, that they're talking about. You know, to the the uneducated observer standing on the outside, they're war crimes, Hannah. I I I just, for me, standing on the outside well, what, and I see. I, 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 I want to be clear, Israel, Martin. Oh, no, what what he said? What he said was no electricity, no water, no food to enter Gaza. So yes, Martin, they they very much are. So uh, for for me on the outside looking at this and seeing then that von der Leyen comes out and she says we stand in support of Israel. They, uh, the Israeli flag is on the Eiffel Tower tonight. That's a green light to go in there and literally kill people, murder people. Yeah, and I think what we have... And I know I'm not asking for your opinion on it. All I'm saying is, from my point of view, that's it. Why is there a different point of view coming from world leaders? Uh, well, I mean, von der Leyen is, you know, from Germany, and I mean, Germany has a particularly sensitive relationship with Israel. It, it's always been, I mean, constrained for historical reasons in what it, it will say. And to be honest, I mean, like, I, I, I don't think you you can't say targeting of Israeli civilians at a festival and in South Israel was anything but a war crime as well. Oh, absolutely. And absolutely. at the same time, we we similarly say that you know the the type of aerial strikes that we've seen on densely populated areas of Gaza City are also war crimes. You know, we're in a situation where it feels like you're just pointing out kind of, you know, I feel like it's just been kind of three days of pointing out that this is a war crime, this is a breach of international law. And I think we see the situation we get ourselves into. And obviously, we can't forget the context, context that, you know, Gaza has been, you know, has suffered greatly for the last 16 years and the kind of desperation uh, that people must uh, feel to be able to kind of go ahead with these type of operations, you know, that, that kind of conditions and knowing that they will lose effectively yes. against the Israelis, you know, that is, that's something that we have to note. And we, it cannot be a sustainable policy to go back to how Gaza uh, was blockaded before Saturday. It's it's just, we can see it's not a, it's not a reliable security policy. Uh, it's not um compliant with human rights uh, it's not ethical and you know there has to be a new model going forward i, I think I th- sorry martin i just think it's really i think it's a really good summary because it cannot be cannot be uh in conflict those two ideas the idea that we need to um you know uh stop the conflict uh we can condemn the actions but you have to also drop the blockade i spoke to people within and i'm sure you have as well hannah within palestine and some of them the demands were quite humble you know more than eight hours of electricity please permits to get jobs again please um access to uh to the the, the water systems improved um can we have better med can we have medicines back in through the the Erez, um you know border crossing all of like these weren't some of the, 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 the asks you you and I would just take for granted. This is just really basic stuff. And yet that was some of the demands that I, I was um, given. You know, I I was struck by them in terms of the, the you know, they weren't asking for, um, you know, the, the old trope of uh, Israel to be wiped off the map. You know, I didn't hear that once. Yeah. And I mean, I think that the sad reality is, is I think that some of the diplomatic fallout 
um, from this will be felt mostly by Palestinians. I mean, I, I, I mean, Michal Martin had announced last month that he uh, that the government was considering recognizing uh, Palestinian statehood. I, I just can't see this being the climate in which they decide to go ahead with that. Not with what we're seeing from you know other EU governments at the moment. I, and you know, he said it at the time he had to be right, and I think you know that's going to take a back step. You know, when he was in um, Ramallah, he talked about, you know, getting funding levels for the Palestinian Authority back up to their previous levels. So, I mean, I think they're going to be lucky to maintain the funding at this stage, as we can see from some of the kind of debates between EU countries. Um, even though the Palestinian Authority has no control over Gaza, um, you know, we're seeing what feels a lot like kind of collective punishment uh, towards the Palestinians. Um and again, some of this was inevitable from the Hamas attack, which, and you know, surely was I'm I'm sure was factored into it, uh, what they thought could happen. Yeah, and I just want to. So the threat is the within the EU people. Another EU commissioner went on a solo run and said suspend the uh, aid of I think it's six hundred and ninety million that that uh, in a development aid to to. Uh, uh, Palestine and I do know the Irish government have said that they're not happy with that to to, the, to their credit that that wasn't you know that that wasn't a, an EU wide decision um, I also note but like I mean you know you mentioned the, 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 the things that happened today and it's important to mention this because again um, the the uh, apologies for my bad pronunciation Hannah but the, the Jabalaya uh, refugee camp the market that was struck today 60 people dead you know shopping in an area where they were told on the maps that Israel give out you know go to these areas and and now in that area, those people were, were killed. That's that's just unbelievable. And then you have the the, the minister for defence calling. We're dealing with animals, uh, human uh, human animals, and we will need to um, reshape the Middle East. These um, these are phrases of like this is barbarism. And I, again, uh, I don't want to get dr- drawn into it, but it's important we get put this in context. That there's also you know today. Um, the Hamas have been firing rockets again. The Iron Dome seems to be doing its job. Um, uh, they've, uh, I think, ninety missiles were fired. Only two landed in Israel, and neither none hit any targets, from what I can tell. But there's been, you know, four schools, three, one destroyed, and four schools hit, and two ambulances taken out today by Israeli airstrikes. One of which seen the death of seven people. So. The EU going on a solo run. Well, an EU commissioner going on a solo run talking about that. It doesn't stick, sit well with me as as an EU citizen. It just really makes me feel um, like the EU doesn't speak for me, not in my name. And I'm sorry, but I'm just maybe I'm on a rant because of what I what I heard from my friend just before we came on air. But I'm I'm really pissed off tonight, you know. Um, Hannah, where do you see it going in the short term? I mean, they, Hamas can't keep this up. Israel will come under pressure to stop dropping bombs on civilian areas. Where is this going? Well, we've just seen in, the, in, I think, kind of the last kind of 30 minutes or so, Hamas has said it's open to truce talks, um, question mark. And we also saw earlier today, I think more dramatically, was that Hamas said that, you know, for every airstrike that um, kind of a, uh, is sent to Gaza with Asia warning, uh, they'll execute a civilian hostage. Uh, so it's clear that, you know, Hamas have felt, or at least the Gazans have felt, um the suffering from the last uh, three days. Um, it's hard to say, you know, Israel clearly, you know, is demanding vengeance. 
at the same time, I think if Hamas were executing hostages, that would be an extremely difficult strategy for Israel um, to allow happen and to continue the airstrikes. At the same time, we know that Hamas want these hostages for prisoner exchanges. So, I mean, are we in a kind of high stakes game of chicken where we're people are trying to see who blinks first? Um, I mean, within the region, it's been like we've seen some kind of huge volatility. Um, so, I mean, Israel and Egypt have had a peace deal since 1979. And we saw over the weekend two Israeli tourists shot dead by an Egyptian policeman. We've seen uh, Palestinian solidarity movements in Yemen, in Bahrain, in Morocco, the last two countries of which signed peace deals or um, with Israel in 2020. So, I mean, a lot of the normalization work that Netanyahu has focused on in recent years seems to suddenly be incredibly flimsy. Um, again, we're seeing America talking about moving its military sources near, uh, near, uh, I mean, Israel's immediate strategy seems to be to kill as many Hamas, regardless of the number of civilian casualties. That's kind of, I guess, to sum up yeah. the strategy. I, I, Hannah, you remember last year when they, they took out one of the Hamas, um, uh, one of the, the Hamas commanders and the sorry it was an Islamic Jihad commander and they said you know the eight of his family died but this was one of the, which was a four year old child and uh, I think I reported at the time with Issam Adwan who works for the, the 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 press authority he was saying you know that child was guilty of nothing you know um, and now we're at that situation whereby we saw one house yesterday nineteen people members of of one extended family all dead and you know Israel is saying well that's what you get for having one of your brothers or sisters as a member of Hamas so it's it's actually terrifying that that's the thing and yet it's terrifying that in the in the same breath you know as a you know um do you think Netanyahu has apparently told Joe Biden that they're ready to go into Gaza. Do you think that's going to happen? Nobody wants to go into Gaza. Israel, it never ends well going going into into an incursion in like that is going to be absolutely horrendous if, if they do it. But yet, yet many people feel it's inevitable given the scale of what happened on Saturday. Uh I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't be giving any concrete answers on what's about to kind of happen in relation to that now. Um, there'll certainly be be a kind of appetite within the government to you know have a strong show of force but in reality i i the conversations that could be happening within the military could be that you know we will tie up a huge number of our forces in gaza if we go in while kind of you know facing a kind of volatile northern border with lebanon and while having to you know shore up a you know possible uprising in the west bank um, you know, we've heard reports that uh, settlers are being given like M16 rifles as well um, in the West Bank. So, you know, a land invasion, a land invasion rather than a prisoner exchange, which may actually be much cleaner and less resource intensive um, for the Israeli government could could end up being the result. It's very hard to know. That's a, isn't that isn't that a staggering like assessment? You're correct when you say it. when you say it out loud. I I I, I am nodding my head here. But what a staggering thing to realize, you know, because I, it, you know Hamas reported that in the airstrikes uh, carried out on Gaza, that four of the prisoners that they took have been killed already, um, or the hostages, whatever your whatever terminology you want to use for it. But that they so so that game of cat and mouse that's gonna that's going on because there are dozens of people being held now and i mean the hostage 
the hostage, the le- number of hostages that have been taken is incredibly high. It's not anything that Israel has really dealt with before. So, I mean, there's no kind of necessarily playbook for them to go by. They definitely have historically put a high price on, you know, getting Israeli hostages back. That has been a priority. Um, it's a huge number, though. Um, and, you know, again, there's a huge number of casualties within Israel. It's hard to know whether they will decide the more important thing is to take as many Hamas targets out as possible um, or will they decide that, you know, the priority is to get Israeli hostages back again. When we say an unprecedented attack, it's not just, you know, we're kind of saying it, you know, for fun. It really is an unprecedented attack and we don't really know how Israel will play this. Hannah, peace brokers in this situation. Who can be seen as a peace broker in this situation? I mean, Turkey and Qatar will certainly have kind of influence um, Egypt to an extent. The US, I mean, the US has not been putting a, a huge amount of attention on the conflict in recent years. Uh, and I think certainly in Palestinian eyes, it, it won't have a ton of legitimacy for the kind of support that they've given uh, the Israeli government. Um, but I would say Turkey and Qatar would be the ones who could actually provide a significant amount of support. Saudi is obviously in a slightly um, unusual position, having kind of been close to announcing a normalization deal, uh, which, you know, I, I think we, we're seeing the kind of that it's not that Saudi has been doing you know, a deal with Israel or that Israel has been doing a deal with the UAE. It's been doing a deal with, you know, a small authoritarian regime that doesn't ne- necessarily have popular support um, for its deal. And we're kind of seeing the fragility of those types of deals. I, I think um, the other the other um, point, which is actually quite funny in a way, in a dark, really macabre way, is the fall of Kevin McCarthy, a speaker in the US, uh, actually slows down some of the things that have to happen because, you know, with two and a half thousand rockets coming from Hamas in, the Iron Dome needs to be replenished. And to do that, they need to pass more bills in, in, the, in the House and they need to appoint a speaker. Uh, there's already massive amounts of American artillery in Israel that undoubtedly, you know, Joe Biden will work their ways to, if, if need be. But And you've referenced the fact that they've said they're going to bring their warship closer to the, to the coast, you know, to, to put pressure on. But it is, it, it's like, I mean, like the, just to put it in context, the Jabalaya refugee camp, the market today, I think that the square, square meters, this place is like a kilometer and 120,000 people live in it, folks. Its population density is, is un- incredible. And that missile killed 60 people. In many ways, it could have killed many, many more. You know, it's, it's, I, I, <sighs> I don't know. I don't know, Hannah. I'm 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 utterly despondent, and I'm sick, and I'm worried, and I'm fed up looking at WhatsApp for for messages to turn blue, um, to make sure people are still online. Um, if I was to if if I was to say to you that uh, the Hezbollah element of this, there's there is obviously a proxy war within a war here, and obviously, you know, um. The dumbest thing I heard yesterday, I think, was Nikki Haley immediately coming out in the US and and screaming for you know, uh, wipe kill them all, Netanyahu, and 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 now and next stop is Iran kind of thing. Um, but I'm also reminded of the day of nine eleven. I think it was Cheney running around the Situation Room saying, "Find me a link to Iraq." 
even though we knew it, um, the Taliban were in Afghanistan and that's where bin Laden was, they were looking for a link to Iraq at that stage. There is a, there is a proxy war going on here. You a lot of experience. You've known. You've spent years in and out of Lebanon. What is the feeling for this to potentially, you know, grow legs into that the bigger war, the the conflict within the conflict? So, I mean, I think it's worth knowing. I mean, Hezbollah doesn't necessarily it's 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 allied itself with the Palestinian cause. It doesn't necessarily have a principled approach to it. I mean, and I mean. Iranians behavior in the region it's kind of one of kind of chaos and you know promoting instability in a lot of ways you know and it that's what you know has happened anyway so and I mean for Hezbollah to get involved and you know risk degrading its own resources and its own forces at this point when Hamas has always already suggested that it's open to truce talks I, I mean I don't see it you know putting itself on the line like that uh it's also in Lebanon at the moment, which is going through a, a massive economic crisis, uh, community support for a, you know, bloody war at the moment would be low. You know, people want tourists. They're one of the few kind of uh, lifelines and sources of fresh dollars for Lebanon. Um, a, a war would certainly not be welcomed by a lot of the local community at the moment. Hannah, reporting from the area, I mean, as, as Tony's mentioned, you've been in the area, how is reporting in the area? Is it difficult for your friends that are still there? Uh, yeah, it, well, it's extremely tense. I mean, and, and in the West Bank, which is, uh, I guess, has, has technically has more freedom than than Gaza. Um, you know, it was it was difficult. And I mean, I was you know doing a piece on Janine Freedom Theater three weeks ago. I went to a comedy festival, and then uh, five days later, there was you know an attack, and a week later on the same night, uh, there was a major military operation. Uh, outside the theater, you know, when there was an international theater festival going on, um, you know, we're seeing kind of protests around Jerusalem, where I also was. Um, so I mean, there and there, there's not we're not seeing as much coverage of the West Bank because of the focus on Gaza and South Israel. But I mean, there's there's been significant casualties there since Saturday. You know, people have been uh, Palestinians have been shot dead in Jericho, Ramallah, Hebron, I believe. Um, and, you know, we're seeing an uptick in settlers attacking Palestinian towns and villages. It's, um, I, again, and I know you are very familiar, you've been in and out of these areas and these places. And, and, um, when you, when you, when you think about it now, um, it does, there are no real good scenarios, Hannah, just to bring this to a, conc- a conclusion. You know, if there's, as Martin said, if we have peace talks, um, and they only result in the status quo. We're just going to build up to the next one of con- conflagration that'll happen inevitably. Because unless we can work a way to have peace talks that result in the modest, the modest demands of most Palestinians, you know, um, uh, that you know, to be able to improve their economy, to live a bit more independent, like to, to lift the blockade so they can their hospitals can function. I mean, a hospital had to close today in Gaza. It, it, like this is. This is life and death stuff that that shouldn't be, you know, um, people people can't get treatment. People are dying because they can't access medicines, simple things like that that, that, that should be easy to fix. If we can't bring that forward, I mean, uh, am I am I an optimist to think that the, that those modest demands can can be met on the back of this, or is it just because right now it's so close to Saturday, I it's it's not going to happen? Yeah. 
I think any sort of kind of solution that would take this in the right direction, it's going to take time. I mean, from a security p- perspective, and I think the military will likely be advising the government. I mean, the occupation of the West Bank is too big uh, a drain on military resources. And, you know, Gaza, the blockade is, you know, clearly also not a stable way to manage the conflict within Gaza. Uh, but at the same time, you now have an Israeli population that, you know, every single worst image they have of, you know, a Palestinian has been confirmed by, you know, the videos of, you know, Israeli women being taken hostage, um, you know, people being shot dead at a festival, um, you know, elderly women being taken into Gaza. I mean, these are the kind of images that right-wing parties in Israel will use in their next campaigns. Um, but at the same time, I think from a security perspective, you know, there has to be a wind down of the occupation of West Bank. But I mean, if you look at even the difficulties in wine dining settlements in Gaza, which were much smaller. I mean, it was a. It, it's amazing to watch some of the footage of how the Israelis, the army, took the settlers out because I mean they did not want to go. It was, you know, a difficult operation to get them out, and there was something about seven hundred thousand settlers in the West Bank. So that's not a. That's not something that's going to happen overnight or in a year or two. No, it's not, Hannah. Hannah McCarthy, thank you very much for coming along and having this conversation with us. As always, delighted to talk to you. Um, very well informed on the situation. And thank you again for having this conversation with us. Thank you. Listen, folks, I will, we will be covering this um, as the events continue. Uh, Hannah, please follow Hannah McCarthy on Twitter and on Instagram because not only is she um, uh, very well informed, she also has very well-informed uh, sources and people that she's sharing tend to be verified and confirmed and have several sources. It's not just hearing one thing and, and running with it. So Hannah does, you know, your your stuff is fact-checked and verified when you when you share it and I appreciate that Um uh, as as a source for this information because at the moment there is obviously all you know it's very easy to get misinformation and disinformation out there at the moment so um Hannah I appreciate all of the stuff that you've been you've been sharing as well um it's a resource to me and it's also uh I I feel kind of useless at the moment so sometimes just scrolling through this stuff <laughs> makes me feel like I've done something so so thank you for that um and we will be back as I said um links willing with people within Gaza and seeing how to go how it goes uh, our thoughts are with um, well my thoughts are with my friends right now tonight and uh, uh, so if you I don't know I'm not I'm not a religious guy but maybe maybe hold them in your in your thoughts please tonight folks talk to you very very soon take care bye bye Tony and Martin Martin and Tony speaking to interesting people only it's the echo Subscribe.